I appreciate this opportunity to get to speak to you this morning. Uh, Pastor Eric is going to, um, in a couple of weeks, uh, going to start a brand new series called Neighboring and talk about the power of the collective and the power of community and the power of small groups and being uh, what you need uh, for somebody else in a small group. What we thought, maybe to take just a couple of weeks and talk about, instead of the group, talk about you, you individual, you personally, where are you? Uh, in this. And then uh, I was just sharing with him some thoughts that uh, just sort of my observations uh, coming back, looking at a big, beautiful, growing church. And in a big, beautiful, growing church, not everybody is feeling what everybody else is feeling. And so uh, I'd like to take uh, this Sunday, actually the next two Sundays under this sort of same theme. And it's what we typically would uh, refer to as one and the same. It's sort of like we're all on the same page and we're all feeling the same stuff and we're all sort of energized about it. We all uh, uh, bought into the same passion and to the same vision, but yet there's always somebody. And if you can tell in the graphic right there, uh, um, everybody's hands are raised and everybody's feeling it and everybody's on the same page, but there's one gentleman there with a hoodie on. Uh, he ain't feeling it. He's not in it. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been in some sort of a situation or an environment or an atmosphere or a group to where the group was, you sort of looking around and like, man, it seems like there's a lot of energy here in the room. Seems like a lot of great things are going on. But then I don't feel it. I don't feel like I'm in on it. And, and I'm carrying maybe some residual, maybe some leftover Maybe uh, sometimes we call it a burr under the saddle. There's something there. There's just a little something, or maybe it's a big something, but there's something there in my own life keeping me from feeling what everybody else seems to be feeling. Yesterday morning, we had prayer time here, and I come into the room at 8 o'clock, and the music's going, and everybody's laughing, and everybody's singing, and, or everybody's having a good time and smiling and carrying on, and I wasn't feeling it. William came up to me and said, how are you doing this morning? I said, not really great. I stopped at McDonald's. I ordered a coffee with cream and sugar. And I drove from Woodstock to here, and it had no cream and sugar in it. So I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> and, I, and so, you know, and it's one of those things to where you're like, I keep stirring. Because I'm driving, I'm stirring. Well, maybe it's down at the bottom. And I kept sipping. I drank a half a cup of black coffee. And so by the time I got here, I wasn't feeling it. I had to have the crowd pray for me uh, because they gave me, who drinks coffee without cream and sugar? The only reason I, oh, don't raise your hand. I don't, I know you're a big burly man and stuff, but the only reason I drink coffee is for the cream and sugar. So I walk into an environment where everybody else is on one page and I'm on a totally different page. Sort of kidding about it, but not really. It really did aggravate me in so much that we boycotted that Woodstock uh, McDonald's this morning. We went to Burger King, and they were late uh, getting me my food. But anyway, have you ever been? So here was my sort of observation coming back to a big, beautiful, growing church, that in a big, beautiful, growing church, you could have some people who's in a growing ministry whose needs are not being met because it's a big, beautiful, growing church. And in the perfect scenario, everybody's needs are being met. But in a big, beautiful, growing church, there will be some folks, not intentionally, but there'll be some folks who won't be tended to like they should be tended to. 
So I'm going to stop there. I'm going to read this verse, a couple of verses to us, and then we're going to come back to this idea. But let me read you this, this, uh, this verse. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said this about the people that he looked upon. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he felt sorry for them. And you would think after this passage or after this sort of description of what was taking place, that then you would see this next verse. Matthew chapter 11, a couple of chapters later, he says, come to me. Listen at this. All you who are weary and are burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, or maybe your translation says meek, and humble in heart, and you will find not just rest, but rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. How beautiful. And when you're reading that verse, you're just thinking that the audience that he has and the audience that he was addressing was that harassed and burdened audience, and it could have been, and it probably was, but that wasn't all that took place. In between that harassed and burdened uh, crowd that he felt sorry for, that, that this passage, that, and, 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 the, and the amazing thing is, it's, it's like uh, when you, this uh, afternoon sometime, read the entire passage, it's a beautiful passage, but it, it sort of breaks in at the end of a prayer. He starts praying, and then he doesn't say amen we don't know that the prayer's over. And then he just goes into this, come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. But between the uh, harassed and hurting and distraught people, a couple of other things happen. And right after this passage, he goes into the Pharisees. And so it's not just, hey, I feel sorry for this crowd, and, and to this crowd I'm saying, come to me. Other things were, had taken place, and let me give you the cliff notes to what had taken place. He addresses this growing ministry and growing needs. He says this at a moment when his ministry was, was close to seeing its pinnacle. Because before now, we know that he came to die. We know that his purpose was to get to the cross, into the grave, out of the grave, resurrected Savior, all of that. But as a ministry, the three and a half year ministry, it does have this arc. And this was at a time when it was at its height. He's adding disciples. Folks are gathering to him. It, the, the crowd's not dispersing yet like in John chapter 6, you know, where it says uh, many of them started to go away from him. This is at sort of the pinnacle of his ministry. There are folks coming from everywhere. And so there is a growing ministry, but there's also growing needs. Just like at our place here, a growing ministry. There'll have to be talks soon for a, a probably another service or something. It's a growing ministry, and you've already done that once. But, there, but anytime you have a growing ministry, you're going to have growing needs. And sometimes in a growing ministry, because we have new faces, uh, we, don't always get to, uh, we don't always get to tend to everybody like we'd like to tend to. And it all depends on what you're coming into the ministry with, what you're coming to the church with. And you can feel like you've been overlooked. 
You could say something like, hey, when the church was smaller, I was tended to better. Or I was, my, my needs were looked out for better. That's a legitimate, that's a legitimate deal. That's, uh, that, there's not a good answer for that other than we want to be better at it. All I'm saying is we want to recognize the fact that in a growing ministry, whenever it, when, when it seems like all the crowd's into it, there might be a few folks on the sides who aren't feeling it. And the reason they're not feeling it and the reason they're not uh, with us is uh, several things. Some maybe because of what has taken place already in the room. Maybe it's because of what we bring to it. Maybe we bring uh, hurts or burdens or needs uh, already to the place. Maybe there's some baggage that we're carrying with us that we should no longer be carrying with us. And before we step into a neighboring kind of a small group to where we can help each other, let us make sure that we ourselves are healed. We got two types of folks in the room this morning, those who are healed and those who need healing because everybody's got something. Everybody's got something going on in your life. Everybody's facing something. We've all got stuff. And one of the greatest places you'll find sort of uh, uh, some benefit of the stuff you've gone through is when you help somebody else in that stuff. But we just gotta, we wanna make sure that you're healthy enough to be able to help that next person uh, with that stuff. And so this growing ministry, Jesus, when he said this, come to me, he had a growing ministry all the way around him. There were burdened and broken people. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a day and time where there is a burdened and broken people all about us. It's just under the surface. It's just behind the smile. It's just behind the, the casual, how are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. Weather's kind of hot, yep. How's work? Work's good. Kids are back in school. And just beyond that casual, shallow conversation is, do you got a minute? Can you pray with me about? Here's something I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm going through. And if you think that you're the only one there, let me tell you, they're all around you. It's just the human condition. We're all going through stuff. And in that going through that stuff, Jesus says, come to me. But no, wait a minute. There was also John the Baptist. In between uh, that first verse and the second verse I read you, there was John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Jesus said, he was the greatest leader among, born among women. But John the Baptist got quite disenchanted. John the Baptist was the guy, he was a relative of Jesus, six months older than him. John the Baptist was the one that pointed to Jesus and said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus came out to be baptized by John the Baptist, John said, Lord, I'm not worthy to be baptized by you. You should be baptizing me. John the Baptist was the one that said, Jesus must increase while I decrease. Sounds good on paper. But then we find John the Baptist stuck in prison about ready to be beheaded. That wasn't the kind of decrease John the Baptist was thinking. <laughs> so John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus and listen at this snarky question. It's in Matthew chapter 11. John says, go ask Jesus because I can't get to him because I'm in prison. Go ask Jesus, is he the one or should we look for another? John, come on. You know who he is. Jesus said, go and tell John the, the blind are receiving sight, the lame are walking, 
The deaf are hearing. Go and tell John everything's going according to plan. Hmm. Not according to my plan because I'm stuck in prison. And so when his disciples go back to relate that message to John, then Jesus turns to the crowd and says, let me tell you about John the Baptist. And he elevates John the Baptist in the crowd. And you want to say, could you not have shared that with John too? Sort of this tough love kind of a thing. Have you ever got disenchanted yourself? Got into church work because, hey, after all, church work, everybody's got the right motive, right? Let's get into church work because everybody is going to be great Christians and we're all going to get along with each other. Oh, I want to get involved in church because, 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 and we have all these great ideas and then we get involved in church work and you realize that's the same people that's out there. And the reason that I came to church was to get away from those folk and those folk are here. And you are those folk. <laughs> and we get involved in church work and then we realize, hey, we're all works of progress. And we get involved. Maybe we take on a responsibility. Maybe we are a ministry leader. And somehow in our heads, we have figured, we have thought this sort of this idea of, well, if I'm leading a ministry, and I'm doing all of this for Jesus. Should he not be doing some stuff for me? Because what John was really saying was, Lord, if you are who you said you are, and if you are who we're all praising you and worshiping you to be, then why in the world am I in this situation, in this condition? He was quite disenchanted. And Jesus says to the disenchanted, walk with me. Let's walk a while. And before that, uh, before this verse, this last verse of come unto me, he also preached hard to some towns that disregarded his works. Jesus said to these two towns, if what would have done in your town would have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have lasted until today. That's like a thousand years. He said, you've seen greater grace. You've seen the works of God and you missed it. Real harsh preaching to these towns where they were a part of something. They saw something big and beautiful and they missed it. And Jesus says to that crowd, let's walk a while. You need to, be, you need to walk, get closer to me. And then after he says this, the next passage says, and then the Pharisees, after hearing this, Big, beautiful invitation of come to me, all ye that are laboring and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'm having trouble hearing you. Then after that, <laughs> I'm talking as loud as I can talk. <laughs> I do have pretty good hearing, though. Tell Siri to reference Matthew chapter 11. <laughs> and then after that, these Pharisees come along. After they've seen 
healings and miracles and signs and wonders, and they see a crowd all of a sudden become interested in spiritual things. That's what they're supposed to be all about. Their main, their main objective is to be able to recognize the Messiah when he shows up. This is why we've hired them. This is why we take m- money from the temple and pay them so they can study the scripture so when the Messiah does come, they'll be able to recognize him and point us to him. And when the Messiah did come, they crucified him. And then they said to him, why are you picking corn on the Sabbath? I mean, they just got picky. It's like, man, did you just hear what we said a while ago, this whole thing about come to me and get rest for your soul? Does that not appeal? Isn't there something to that that's attractive to you? Rest for your soul, not rest from the work. Jesus said, put my yoke upon you and we're gonna work together and you're going to find rest in the work. Rest in the work doesn't doesn't compute. Jesus said, I know, but you've never worked with me before. Place my yoke upon you, learn of me. And the, and the work that, that we're going to do, it's going, it's act, the work's actually going to, to revive you. It's going to fire you up. It's going to give you something. And with all of that, the, the, the Pharisees were, yeah, but you're picking corn on Saturday. Yeah. So we're hungry. We're pick, I know. You're not supposed to pick corn on Saturday. I know. But look at everything else going on. I call these the scorekeepers and the auditors. Auditors. It's the, it's the, it's the folks in the organization that, what, that wasn't invited into the organization as a, auditors are useful when they're invited in to be an auditor. But a lot of us feel like, hey, that's our, that's our gig. My gig is to make sure you do your gig right. My thing is to make sure you, you do your thing right. And so they're, you know, they don't have a clipboard, but they should when they walk into church. And they're just checking off stuff. They got something in their mind that's supposed to go this way. And so they're, we were a little bit late starting service this morning. I, had, I wasn't handed a bulletin. I had to find my own. Uh, yeah, the sermon is a little too long or wasn't long enough. Uh, Pastor Eric, he used too much humor, didn't use enough humor. Used too, much, too many verses or not enough verses. And they just on and on and on and on, right? Singing's too loud, singing's too quiet. Oh, it's a blended service. That means we're supposed to have three contemporary and one hymn. We haven't had a hymn in a couple of weeks, Pastor. Are you, someone say, are you not interested in feedback? We're very interested in feedback. Uh, he, has a, he has a sermon prep team. They literally get together each week and constructively criticize the sermon and the series and all of that. We're interested in feedback. Here's the question you have to ask because we are interested in feedback. Are you here just to give feedback or are you here to be fed? Now, if you're here to be fed... We, we want to help. We want to be that for you. 
But if you're here just to give feedback, we got plenty of those. And those folk are usually the ones sort of like leading and involved in the ministries themselves. If that's like your thing, if that's your spirit, if, the, if, 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 you, if you recognize that in yourself, listen to Jesus. Come to me. Come to me. Yeah, but I'm that type of personality, you know, and I'm just that perfectionist. I know, come, but walk with me. Walk with me. Here's the short answer. If you're here this morning and maybe feel like, hey, the church has grown and I've been here a long time and there seems to be, you know, like a repositioning and some folk uh, got to, maybe they sing more on the platform than I would, uh, than I would like to and they're, you know, they're sort of like the scorekeeping and I've done this and then they, uh, they haven't asked me to do that and just you're just keeping score and keeping marks and all of that stuff, give it a rest, friend. This is what you can rest assured is, and I know these folks' heart quite well, nobody's doing anything intentionally to hurt anybody or to offend anybody. Think with me just a minute. It's anti-productive for all of us. So no one sits around a table saying, how can we niff so-and-so? How can we upset so-and-so? Of course not. Nobody's doing that. Can it happen? Absolutely. It's sort of the, the, the negative to a positive thing taking place uh, when, when the ministry is growing. So if that's you, before we step into this neighboring thing and you become, you know, the, the, before we take you into that uh, group of yous, Let's make sure that just um, the image I have in my mind is the whiteboard, you know, just like all clean, all clean. And it may be stuff here uh, or it may be stuff from work. It may be stuff from your life. It may be stuff from your past. Things that just, you know, between you and somebody or maybe in between you and God. And you almost feel bad about saying anything to somebody because if we were honest and you could take that mask off for a few moments, you would say, I don't understand why God's let this happen. And that's, boy, that thing has just been festering. And everybody else seems to be rejoicing in the great and mighty hand of God. And with you, I'll sing along and I'll, and I'll go along, but man, it's just something there. That's, that something there is what I'm asking you to let, try to let me help you with. And the answer to that is you move toward Jesus. Notice what he said. He didn't say, listen to me. He said, come to me. Come to me. The, the distance between where you are and how you're feeling and where you would like to be and how you'd like to feel, the distance is the distance between you and the Lord. Come to me. Learn from me. Learn from me. He's got something to teach us. I think that, again, another interesting phrase is because we have to be teachable, right? We've got to be asking questions. When were the last time we were asking any question? Help from anybody. When was the last time you slid the mask off or took the mask off for just a minute to say, hey, can we pray? And 
here's something going on in my life and it doesn't seem to line up and I know here's what the scripture says and here's what I heard some preacher say and, and Jesus said, I want to teach you some stuff. So we have to be teachable. This is what I, I firmly believe, that humility and rest cannot be separated. If you're looking for this abiding stable, anchored faith. Storms though they may be, this anchored, stable faith, you cannot ignore humility. It's one and the same. Jesus said, the Lord said, I'm gonna stiff arm the proud, but I'll embrace the humble. So what do you do? What you do is you bring that, whatever that is, to the Lord. I'm not making light of it. It may be super legit. It may be a tragic thing, uh, something from the past, some deep harm uh, that's taken place. It may be a small thing. The person that you're upset with may not even know that you're upset with them. And in all reality, you might even be sort of embarrassed to bring it up because it, but it's just still there. What I would suggest you do is first and foremost, let's just take that to Jesus. He said, let's walk a while. And we're going to walk close enough. And you know, you've heard these illustrations of the yoke and how they'd put them around the oxen or the mules or whatever. But we're going to walk close enough. But, it's, but, the, but the burden is going to be pushed over on the Lord because he's got it. I just, I just need you to walk with me and learn the steps. And that's just, uh, some preacher said, um, I jotted it down a few months ago, be humble or be humbled, one or the other. I would encourage you to be humble and bring that to the Lord. And let him give you rest for your soul. And then you take in a healing person uh, to that small group to help others heal. Would you bow your heads with me, please, for just a moment? I want to pray for you. We've um, got communion and a couple of other things in the service to take care of. Uh, but before we go to that next phase, I just want to pray for you. It's what we prayed about yesterday here. We had folks out in the parking lot praying for everybody that would drive into one of these spots. We had people in here praying over these seats. Didn't know who was going to be sitting here, but we knew people were going to be sitting in these seats. They walked through these rooms and prayed for the, prayed for the folks, the little kids that'd be filling these rooms. Because what we know that came up the driveway this morning are people who need healing, physical, emotional healing. And we know that people drove up the driveway this morning needing hope, new hope, fresh hope. And if that seems a thousand miles away to you, friend, oh, you are in the right place. I want to pray for you. After the service, there'll be an opportunity to you to 
pray specifically with someone here and around the altar. But I'd like to pray for you right now. Father, what a joy it is to be involved with your church. Lord, we believe Christ is the hope of the world and the church is the body of Christ. So, Lord, in a real sense, we are stewards of your hope. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church to steward well that hope and to present it and to apply it and to hug the dear person with it when they walk through these doors. I pray, Lord, this morning for that one who is hurting just below the surface, that this morning they would feel enough love, enough compassion, enough hope, and enough healing, Lord, that would cause them to take another step closer to let us help. Bless, I pray, these dear folk in this room this morning with your word and your invitation of rest for our souls. In Christ's name, amen.